If you're the only one in your book club who wants to read books that will change your life, you need a new book club. And we think you found it. I'm Heather. And I'm Susan. And can we be the first to say, welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. We're still having strange conversations here at Bible Book Club. Stranger conversations, and they just got stranger. Last episode was chapters 18 and 19, and we were talking about strangers, not this sweet conversation between God and Abraham, but the strange conversation. Lot's reaction to the angels and his irrational solutions for how to protect them. His heart is clearly not straight. Right. Remember, we talked about that a couple of chapters ago. We talked about the next few chapters are really going to show us some heart issues between of all the main characters, Abraham, Sarah, and Lot. And we're going to, it's going to spiral down for a lot because this week we are in that famous story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I really laughed. I chuckled about this. You know how, you know, kids, they, you get an ark, you know, when you have a, a toddler, you buy them an ark. Oh, there's children's songs oh, there's about it. songs and there's stories, which the story of Noah, we know is a story of destruction. It's just, we've, we have the cute animals. The animals are so cute. They made it into a toy and it's a story and, you know, rainbows and the whole thing. Well, that's well, actually true of most like um, song, children's songs that you sing. All of those nursery rhymes, they're oh, like actually really dark. I know it's terrible. <laughs> ashes, ashes. We all fall down. Yeah. London Bridge is falling down. Terrible. This story we're going to talk about kind of tracks with Noah's story. However, we don't have any cute fuzzy animals and happy rainbows. It is all fire and salt. The time is up. Scene one. Sodom has been judged by the Lord and the angels. And the angels left God and Abraham. They went down to Sodom and they have seen and experienced all the depravity they need to in order to pronounce judgment. And their response is very urgent. We're starting in chapter 19, verse 10. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else in here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. I had to wonder when I was thinking about what is the purpose of all this? God didn't have to have that discussion with Abraham. He knew that the city was depraved. He didn't have to send angels down there. He knew the city was depraved. And that's why you see them react so quickly. They knew what was going to go down. So who was this really for? It was for Abraham and it must have been for a lot. And when I read the commentaries on this, there were a few who said, you know, association with righteous people, there is something that protects us in that. It's almost like Lot is getting residual just protection because of Abraham's righteousness. Yeah, I was wondering, and we'll never know what God would and wouldn't have done because this is just what he did. But I was wondering if Abraham had not interceded on Lot's behalf, if Lot just would have been destroyed with Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if his association. Right. Good point. Yeah. Y'all can't hear this, but Buck is flagging us down, our producer, because he's, he, he had a great point. That residual grace that Lot is getting is because of Abraham. Just like we get residual grace from being associated with Jesus. And that is such a great, a great, it is a great example. Buck needs a microphone. Buck needs a microphone. Get Buck a microphone. <laughs> Hashtag give Buck a microphone. <laughs> 
in fairness to Lot, I have to say this. He does believe the angels. Like he acts on this quickly. He believes them. So we know he is a believer. And maybe that's why he's getting this residual grace. He represents us, those believers who just get tempted and fall away and get a little distracted. But he really does believe. Verse 14. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. I kind of pictured, have y'all ever read the book, The Sky is Falling with a little hand? You've never, oh, it's oh, a the children's kids book. book. Yes, yeah. I've read that one. When she runs around, I thought you were talking about falling, an actual true novel like the rest yeah. of us in the Bible book. I just pictured him running around like the sky, you know, destruction's coming and everybody thinks he's joking. The, the point here is God was willing to save. Like he told Abraham, if there are this many left, I will save them. But even the sons-in-law who are pledged to marry his daughters, whom he must have spent time with, had not been influenced by him. This is the lesson for Lot. It's too late, bud. You've had all these years to influence people around you and you haven't. Uh, And I had to think too, where were the sons-in-law when the angels came to the door? Like, were they in the crowd? Because it said all the men, young and Mm -hmm. old, or were they in the house? I don't know. Where it says he went out and spoke to his sons-in-law. They were out there. They were out there. All right. We do have another example of this in the Bible. I wish we could get to this book quickly because it's one of my favorites. But in the book of Ruth, Naomi is, is a great contrast to Lot because she leaves her home and goes and lives in, in, in a Moabite town. But, and so her sons marry Moabites. These are women who are not of her faith, yet her influence over them is so great that even after her sons and her husband had died, she goes back to Bethlehem. Her influence over Ruth was so great that Ruth says this verse to Naomi. And Ruth she, is her daughter-in-law. Ruth is her daughter-in-law. Her Ruth's husband, Naomi's son, is dead. So normally you return to your own people and they're living in the land of the Moabites at the time. But because Naomi has lost her sons and her husband, she wants to go back to Bethlehem. And she says, I'm going going back, y'all go back to your parents. And and Ruth says this in 116. She says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Naomi had so, had so much influence over her daughter-in-law that her daughter-in-law cared more about Naomi's God. Ruth cared more about Naomi's God than she cared about her own family. And she was willing to leave her family to go be in a land of strangers um, just to be close to Naomi's God. I think that's a great contrast to the the guys who are like, oh, really, the city's about to be destroyed. Yeah, yeah. we'll just stay here. Yeah, lots of son-in-laws had the opposite response. Okay, keep going. Verse 15. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city. For the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to and it is small. 
Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. See, he just did not want to go back to that roaming life. So it's so funny. The night before, he was urgent. He believed them. This destruction is coming. But when the dawn comes and it's really time to leave, he hesitates. They literally have to grab his hand and pull him out. He didn't want to go where they told him the mountains. He said, oh, this disaster will overtake me. No, if the angels of the Lord tell you to go to the mountains, you're going to make it to the mountains. Yeah, but, ha- but but it's easy in that moment to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Please, please, please going to say where I can't. I can't make it. I won't make it. Um, God knows if you're going to make it. You mm-hmm. just go. He begs. It's a very small town. Can't you just spare that small town right there? In other words, he just does not want to go he, into the wilderness. He he is fighting for control. And that's probably the thing that got him in trouble with Abraham in the beginning. He wanted to control his own thing. He sees it and he wants it and he takes it. And a so heart issue, just like you said. A heart issue. And But really, who has the nerve to argue with angels? I just don't know. Well, there's a difference between questioning God the way that Abraham did last episode, which was a respectful way of asking, well, but what if, what if, what if this? And there's a, a huge difference between doing that and just refusing to do what they say. Well, and that's exactly the point I was going to make next is you contrast Abraham's questions out of concern for others. Oh, yeah. Abraham's questions were all about Lot and the people he knew here. Lot's concern is for himself. Again, he never offered himself instead of his daughters. <laughs> He's just a wee bit selfish. A wee bit. Going on in verse 21, the angels are gracious. He said to him, very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town is called Zoar. Okay, can't you just see, I just want to insert a little side conversation here. God to the angels. All right, I'm going to stay here and talk to Abraham about what's going to happen. You guys go down. Just get Lot out. Okay, get him out. It's going to be ugly. Just get Lot out because I'm going to talk to Abraham and help him understand it's only going to be Lot that I'm going to save in this deal. Mm-hmm. And the angels go, really, God? Really? We got to go save Lot. You know he's going to whine. I don't want to save Lot. <laughs> and then they go down there and sure enough, they're like, very well. I'll grant this request too because really I have to grant any request to get you out of here, Lot, because God said, we have to spare you. <laughs> While rolling their eyes. While rolling their eyes. Yeah, exactly. Verse 23. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus, he overthrew the cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. The big takeaway for me in this was desire is contagious. So we know that Lot wanted to live in Sodom and he wanted it. He didn't really consider, is this a good place for me to raise my family? Is this going to be good for my wife? In the end, Lot loses his wife. She dies from the very disease of temptation that she probably caught from Lot, the desire for luxury and comfort. She just wanted to make sure, oh my gosh, what if this is a trick? I don't know what she was thinking. Is this a trick? I just want to go back. Or was the urge, the desire just so great? She just had to take one last look at her city. I don't know what it was, but she could not leave what she loved, even though she had 
been commanded by God. And what she loved most was not God. So she looked. And how are we like that? What do we cling to that we love more than God, that we just got to look at it a little more? We got to buy it more. We got to make our decisions based on it. It's a lot of things. There's just so much today to tempt us that really pulls away to the point that we don't realize we've prioritized it ahead of God. Yeah. And I don't think that you're saying, in fact, I know you're not saying that things are bad to have. In fact, God wants you to have the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. It's just that you can't put those things above God because that becomes idolatry. Yeah. If God literally sends stranger angels to you and says, choose, Suze. (laughs) Do not go back and grab your purse. Would I I be able to leave it? Would I be able to say, I'm, yeah, I'm good. That diamond necklace just has to stay on the dresser. (laughs) I don't have that diamond necklace, but that's okay. Um, It's tough. All right, let's talk about some scientific explanations for this disaster. Most, it's pretty clear most people assume that this was an earthquake that caused some kind of combustion of natural sulfur deposits or asphalt pits. The natural minerals of this region include sodium, potash, magnesium, calcium chlorides, and bromide. These are easily ignited, which could have caused them to rain down on the victims in destruction. They have found, of course, rem of these kind of things happening at this time period. So again, God works within, you know, nature and creation to create things that then bring about his will for people. I want to step back to my Noah lot thing because I want to do a comparison of them before this judgment because there's definitely a track of right and wrong here. Noah was the one who lived through a year of rain and flooding, a lot of water, but Lot was the one whose faith ended up being watered down and drippy results came of it. All right, there's my little Heather is laughing at my corny analogy. (laughs) It was corny, but it was well illustrated. All right. I may even make this a table to put in our show notes. If Haley makes me, we'll see. She's not here, so she may command me to do this. But let's compare them, Noah and Lot, because there's a right and a wrong way. Both of them were living among sinful people who are warned by God of a judgment. Noah's people were warned. Lot tries to warn them. Both of them a yes. Both of them. So then obediently, did they execute God's instructions? Yes. Noah convinced his family. And remember, for years, he's ridiculed as he builds this ark and gathers animals. Lot gets one night, but the answer is no. He does not execute God's instruction. He tries to tell son-in-laws, but his faith is not responsible respected enough to be convincing. And then he himself in the end hesitates and has to be pulled out where Noah willingly gets on the ark with his family obediently and does this crazy thing, not even knowing probably what a flood looks like. All right. What about loves God more than he loves the world? Noah is a great yes. He willingly leaves all he loves for the unknown of a floating zoo. Lot, definite no. He loves his world so much he doesn't want to leave and has to be forced. He begs to be able to go to another town rather than the mountains where he's told to go. All right. Has a faith that saves. Noah, yes. He saves his family and he saves the future of God's people. Lot, no. His faith wavers. He saves only his daughters and even loses his 
wife to doubt. All right. What about survives a devastating judgment? Yes. Noah survives a flood. Lot survives a fire. Moving on to scene two. God remembers Abraham. Now we have another little sweet scene. Verse 27. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land, like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Why did God save Lot? For Abraham. For Abraham. It wasn't because of Lot. And I think that's something, again, I think I've talked about parenting a lot in the last couple of weeks, but I always think, okay, just Lord, if if I can intercede for my kids, if, if it'll help them in any way, it's worth the time and the focus. And I don't, I don't think I've ever said it this on my podcast, but shout out to my friend, Jody Burnt, who wrote Praying the Scriptures for Your Children, Praying the Scriptures mm-hmm. for Your Teen, Praying the Scriptures for Your Adult Children. It was, it, it was, is the way that I most kind of try to intercede for my kids in prayer. And we don't know what results that will have, but we have to trust that that it will have, it'll protect them in some way. Well, and, and here's another thing. It's really important that when somebody says, pray for me, or if you say you're Mm -hmm. going to pray for somebody, that that you actually do it because it matters. It does matter. Abraham saving faith saved Lot again. Remember, this is not the first time he was in trouble. In Genesis 19, 29, it clearly states that when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe. In Genesis 18, God had promised if there were 10 righteous people, he would spare the city, but there wasn't. There wasn't even 10. He did, however, for Abraham, spare his beloved nephew, despite the fact that Lot was not the righteous man he could have been if he had listened to Abraham's teaching. When Abraham awoke and saw the smoke, he knew the truth that Lot's influence in the city had not led anyone to faith. And he could then be at least thankful that God had spared Lot because he didn't deserve it. And I think we're not saying that you have to only hang around with people who are no fun and never have any kind of, you know, party or anything like that. It's okay to party. You just have to be righteous while being just a little ratchet. (laughs) Righteous, ratchet. Oh, Lord. I like girlfriend trips where you can be a little righteous and a little <laughs> ratchet. just coming back from a girlfriend trip to Memphis. <laughs> Which was a little righteous and a little ratchet. There you go. All right. Scene three. New life. Old sin. Same fall. This is the end of the story for Lot. And it's not a good one. And so, again, we're going to have this comparison between Lot and Abraham, who does have a good end. Verse 30. Lot and his two daughters left Zor and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zor. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day, the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man around here to give us children, as is the custom over all the earth. Let us get our father to drink wine and then sleep with him and preserve our family through our father. That night, they got their father to drink wine, and the older daughter went up and slept with him. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. The next day, the older daughter said to the younger, last night I slept with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight and you go in and sleep with him so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also. And the younger daughter went in and slept with him again. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son and she named him Moab. 
He is the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son. She named him Ben-Am. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. All right. What is the situation here? Yeah. So remember, these girls were both engaged to be married when this happened. And the son-in-laws did not come. They were virgins, so they had not slept with their betrothed. By the betrothed. grace of God, thanks yeah. to the angels. They had not be- slept with their betrothed, and, but they were betrothed. So think of yourself, you know, a young girl, you're engaged to be married, and now everything's wiped out. You've lost your mother. You're living in a cave with your father. And your whole purpose in life is to be a mom back then. I mean, it's just, that's the way it was. You were t- supposed to carry on uh, the li- the family line- lineage. And so they get this crazy idea. I think it's interesting that they want to get their father drunk, just like Noah was drunk. We're kind of circling back. We're just circling and circling in this sexual sin. Those who do not learn from history are bound to repeat it, right? (laughs) You know, we know that um, whether it's drugs, alcohol or prescription drugs, anything that lowers your inhibitions does put you at risk for great temptation. That's just a fact of life. It lowers your inhibition. So you have to be careful with that. Nowhere are we saying don't drink. Obviously, we went through that before Jesus at the wedding of Cana produced wine out of water. But you have to know that your inhibitions and this is what happened. They developed the strategy for sexual sin again. It is just continuing on and on. And whether it's uh, anything outside of marriage is sexual sin. And whether it's um, incest, homosexuality, heterosexuality, the rape of Dinah, it's all sexual sin. And we, we have to know that. We have to think about that as people. This is God's best for us in our life is to be married and have children within within that union. And in this case, of course, marrying, you know, having sex with your dad, just to have a baby is not a good idea. And we're going to find out the Moabites and the Ammonites become a problem. Some observations about Lot, and before we totally diss the girls on what on their strategy, they're living in a cave, and it sounds to me like their dad's pretty bitter. So again, Lot goes from pretending to be a man of faith in his community and trying to do good to totally sinking down with these girls and hiding out. Which and, I don't really understand how living in a cave could be any better than living in that Zoar town that God at least tried to send him to. I don't know why he didn't go back to Abraham. Abraham would have taken him in and his daughters in in a second. He just hated that no, nomad life. He was like, woe is me. What have I done? My life is over. Yeah. Um. He's ending in a pitiful state. Again, and he thinks that he, ha- he has a God complex. He thinks he can order the events. He was afraid to live in Zoar and possibly because he came from the cursed town of Sodom and he was afraid that he was going to be killed. But again, why would God pull him out and save him to have him die in Zoar? There's just no trust that God is bigger than the people around him. He doesn't trust God. And, you know, rather than seeing his escape as an opportunity from God, he hides in a cave in fear of people instead of trusting. And, you know, how do we hide? What do we hide that we're afraid to tell people or confess to people or say for fear of judgment instead of knowing that this is part of my testimony 
and God can use it for good instead of bad. Lot made a mistake. He could have gone back and used his mistake as a testimony for good and just said, hey, people, don't do what I did. I'm staying with Abraham now. I'm not going to own stuff. I'm not going to get too big so that I have to leave Abraham. I'm going to stay right with Abraham because this is the promised land. (laughs) This is the promised man going to the promised land and I'm going to stay with him. All right, if we continue our comparison of Noah and Lot after the judgment. So we covered before the judgment. Here's after. Both of them had a new life and a new place. Noah, it's a place where he prospers. Lot, he's got a new place, but he hides in fear because Noah knew that he had been obedient and Lot knew that he had not been obedient. Both do become intoxicated. Both of them. Noah becomes intoxicated. Oops, slip. Lot becomes intoxicated. Both get sexually taken advantage by their children. Noah, son, Ham and grandson Canaan and Lot by his daughters. Both become nations opposed to God's principles and people. So after Noah gets drunk, of course, he is Canaan and they become the Jebusites, Amorites, Hivites, and eventually Sodom. And then Lot, his people became Moab, which means the first son was Moab, means from father, and they become the Moabites. Amon, the second son, means son of my people, and they become the Ammonites. Now, I'm going to put a map in the show notes because the Moabites and the Ammonites are the people that David must defeat in 2 Samuel. So you can see about all those. If you study David, and we will, you're going to see that he is just constantly, constantly fighting. And these are two of the tribes. They're at war with these people that are the result of the sin. Right. And these are two big ones. The sad end. Noah's intoxication led to the sin of his son, Ham. Ham's sin led to the sin of his son, Canaan. Canaan fathered a nation, which led to the sin of the city, Sodom, which led to Lot's sin because he chose to live in Sodom. Lot's intoxication led to his daughter's sin, which led to the birth of two formidable foes of Israel, Moab and Ammon. What a cycle. And that's a, you know, oh gosh, we hate to think of this, but one mistake can lead to others, can lead to others, can Mm -hmm. lead to others. And if we really saw that clearly, we'd think twice before we did this stuff. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. A lot can be lost when you lose control of your senses. Another point to point out is that Abraham and Noah both made mistakes, but their faith was not watered down. Abraham, we've we've read several of his mistakes. He's going to make another one next week. <laughs> but but their faith was not watered down. They they recovered. They repented. They learned. They grew, and they were they continued to be used by God. Lot, Which speaks to the posture of their heart. Right. Right. It's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to make a mistake as long as you come back. Lot, in contrast, was not and lived the rest of his life literally in darkness, in a cave. Who do you favor, Abraham or Lot? Do you, you know, hunker down in your misery and bitterness that you just can't do it? And, oh, I'm so bad. I just can't stand it. I don't have what I want. Or do you rebound like Abraham and Noah and say, darn it, I slipped again, but God, I'm going to do better. Does your faith have life-giving results or is it watered down and trippy? Okay, well, we are done with Lot. Thankfully, he can stay in that drippy cave because we are moving on with Abraham, the father of many nations, and there are better things to come for these Israelites. What's a club without friends? If you're enjoying the Bible Book Club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. New episodes drop every Monday and get all episodes now on Amazon Music. As always, head over to susanme.com slash Bible Book Club for show notes from today's episode. Bible Book Club is hosted by Susan Merrill and Heather Rubio. 
edited by Buck Buchanan, produced by Haley Mawat. <laughs>